Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're recapping all the action from the third weekend of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. How are things in the McKelvey household? Pretty good. Now that I've uh, gotten a little bit of sleep, I got a little nap in today um, while Natalia slept after staying up for the marathon hellish nightmare that was <laughs> no extra base hits, 30,000 walks, everything. Texas A&M and Texas Tech really gave us a yeah. run for our money in terms of college baseball fandom. If you don't love two teams <laughs> not getting hits at 1 a.m., then you just don't love college baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, it was only 1230 for us. So yeah, East Coast makes it even worse. Yeah. God, that would have been awful. Um, so you, uh, you had your, your first big uh, road trip with the little one. Yeah. You're telling me about that. Uh, what's it like having a baby in a car driving 300 miles? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was fine. We, uh, we survived. Everyone made it, um, happily or unhappily. How many times did the wheels on the bus get played? Not a whole lot, but uh, Juliet did have to do. She was sitting in the back with with Natalia, and she was having to do a lot of like mouth noises and things just to try and like keep her like distracted for like ten seconds at a time. Like that's all it that's all it takes. Yeah, just do that, but then for four hours. Yeah, exactly. She had like a couple thirty minute naps in there, and I just trudged on through. We made it. She she was fighting it towards the end, but you know we got there. My kiddo loves the car. Like he, it's like fits that like baby stereotype of like gets into the car instantly passes out. <laughs> that's I mean that is really nice. That's, it that's, is. Uh, you just if you need him to sleep, you just go on a little car drive. Car drive. Yeah, the plan as of like the moment right now is to road trip out with the whole family to Omaha this mm-hmm. summer. That's the hope. That would that's be exciting. A twenty-hour drive. So, <laughs> so we'll see if we can. We'll we'd stop parched the way, see some of the in-laws, but uh, we'll see if we can get him to handle a road trip like that. That would be, uh, how many days would that take, do you think? I mean, because- A lot. I don't know. Yeah. At least two, <laughs> bare minimum, like two 10-hour days. Yeah. God, but uh, we'll hard. see We'll see if we can pull it off. <laughs> Good luck. I don't think uh, my wife wants to go to Omaha, but I guess if if if, uh, if your wife's there, then maybe we'll see. Our top story today is the Campbell Camels. Campbell traveled to Louisiana, took two out of three games from the Raging Cajuns, Camels versus Cajuns in Louisiana, and Campbell vaulted themselves into the top 25, like we'll get into in just a moment. A lot of action in this series. I think I want to point out a few notable performer performers. Let's start with Cade Cooler. So Cade Cooler, 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 Cooler sounds sure. cooler. So let's go with Cooler. <laughs> nice. Uh, six innings pitched, two earned runs. This is a legit prospect. This guy is, is like many of the prospects that we've seen at Campbell. They just keep popping out top top in first day or two. MLB draft first couple round picks. This is another one of them. He had five uh five hits scattered across the six innings pitch, just one walk. So that's a whip of just one. Really solid starts, 100, 100 pitches, got the win. 
Uh, all it took then was Ty Cummings three inning save, no earn runs. That's a really great Friday night combo. You have an ace and a guy who can give you a three inning save. I mean, that's that's a nice way to start off the weekend, Dick Campbell. Yeah, that's for sure. It's really efficient. You know, using only two pitches, two pitchers. Yeah, and and Kid Cooler is also only cooler. Did we decided cooler? Yeah, why not? Sure. Uh, he's just only got getting better. Like he had five innings pitched in each of his last two starts, um, two and four earned runs. And this time it's just a little bit longer, inching his way up in number of strikeouts too. Um, had a few doubles allowed, but you know, still, still pretty solid. He's got a hundred pitches in this last outing. That's a uh, pretty solid. A, a, a little more of the same on Saturday. They had a two pitchers combined uh, to get through the nine innings necessary chance. Dakula, Gave the Camels five innings, three earned runs. Aaron Rund went four with two earned runs, getting the save. Uh, that was a uh, eight-six victory for Campbell, and that's where the series was clinched. Camels moved eight and one on that one. Louisiana did get a game to uh, uh, to salvage the series a little bit, so the fourteen-seven final on Sunday uh, means that the end of the weekend, Campbell finished eight and two, Louisiana finished seven and four. All of these games were basically right at three hours or less. That Friday night game was done in a cool two hours and 38 minutes in front of 4,000 fans. So, I mean, this is what college baseball is all about. (laughs) Throw out mid-major. We have two elite programs going at it in front of thousands of fans. Uh, Pretty successful weekend. Yeah, efficient, efficiently, <laughs> done in time uh, so you can get, get home for dinner. I think that uh, Saturday starter's name, it's got to rhyme with tequila, right? Chance and tequila? <laughs> yeah, it could. I also thought it could, it, so yeah, it could be Dacula, kind of like like Ooh, Dracula, but be fun. A little, like da- Dak Prescott if he was a vampire, maybe. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> you like tequila, John? Uh, yeah, I do like tequila. I feel I like a lot, a lot of people are in the like, oh, I took tequila shots in college and that's ruined it for me forever. And I don't know. I it's only it's only made me want to find better tequila because it's one of the, the few spirits that I, that I can drink straight. Yeah, it's the stuff that I had in college was not great. Like there was some stuff that we had that tasted like chicken and it was bad. It should not tequila shouldn't taste like chicken in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, man, that's that's not a good sales. No. pitch for that tequila it, no i didn't i don't think it was supposed to it just kind of did it was gross <laughs> oh taking that that tastes like chicken a little too literally yeah next up let's take a look at our brand new top 50 kyle and uh like we mentioned just a few moments ago am texas tech put the, pushed this back a few hours but we finally were able to create our top 50 and uh the top eight is exactly the same as it was a week ago the top eight combined this weekend were 22 and two. So that generally wow. leads to not a lot of movement <laughs> <Yeah>. across <laughs> across all those teams. There's only two losses. Um, so a little bit of a pat on the back for us in terms of uh, we finally, I think, are settling on our top, you know, top 10 or so. And, and we're, I think, finding some of the, the teams there that belong to be there. So just to remind you, listening, in case you haven't got our whole top 50 memorized, but I mean, what kind of fan are you if you haven't? Why not? But LSU, Wake Forest, Stanford, Ole Miss, Florida are the top five. Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Louisville, Air, uh, Arkansas, and East Carolina each slide up a spot uh, because Texas Tech slipped it down a few spots. Kyle, are you feeling Camley? 
feeling quite camely. Not the uh, not the cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not sponsoring this podcast or the camel uh, cigarettes because that's illegal. <laughs> right. So Campbell enters our top 25 for the first time. The Campbell Camels are right at right on the money at 25, moving up three spots from 28 a week ago after taking two out of three from Louisiana. So congrats to the Camels. I uh, am trying to find a way to say the, the word camel as many times on this podcast because <laughs> they, I think, have the best mascot in collegiate sports. Anteaters, Anteaters is a is a pretty good like competitor i feel like that's true speaking of uc irvine did re-enter into our top 50 so they were there at at number 39 they they had a nice sweep at arizona state florida gulf coast oregon arizona long beach louisiana tech and troy are also all new to the top 50 with a couple of those teams slipping in after dropping out just for one week what else surprises you about the top 50 kyle anything notable uh, Maryland dropped quite a bit after a pretty rough weekend in, up in uh, Minnesota, the Cambria yeah, Classic. I think Maryland it fits the bill of a team that is from generally a colder weather place. Maryland, not the warmest place, but also Maryland's not that far away from a place like North Carolina, right? I don't know. It's like yeah. that or Virginia. It's just right all in there. So I, I feel like I'm reluctant to call Maryland a cold weather team. You know, it wasn't so long ago that they were in the ACC, right? And we'd probably right. be talking about them a little differently. But now that they're a Big Ten team, it does feel a little like, okay, they're a cold-weather team. But they they lost a series on the road at Ole Miss. No shame there. But the rule of two weekends, so back-to-back, they've had some less-than-ideal weekends, and this one was Conquers. particularly bad, 0-3 at Cambria. Yeah, lost uh, three straight games to Ole Miss. Not, I mean, they had a game in there, but like <laughs> of the three games they played to Ole Miss, they lost three in a row. Uh, like, yep. I mean, we, we talked about last week, um, would Ole Miss find a way to to touch up um, Savakul? And it seems like they did. Yeah, he still had a good start. I don't remember yeah. the exact numbers. Was five innings? Five innings, yeah. Three earned runs. Yeah, that's like, I mean, a quality start for sure. You can't blame Savakul on that loss. <laughs> Maybe the offense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, Maryland also dropped a game to Hawaii, who I told you, I think I told you, I told you not to sleep on the Rainbows, the Rainbow <laughs> Warriors. <laughs> that's also uh, a fun mascot. Yeah, that is true. Um, they are part of the resurging Big West this year. Uh, any other surprises to you, Kyle? Um, Iowa jumped up quite a bit. Did you already touch on Iowa? They, we haven't um... talked about Iowa. Iowa has a, the, obviously that marquee win against LSU. Mm-hmm. They backed it up, uh, having another winning weekend uh, over the over this past weekend. So we moved them up 10 spots. I'm really curious to see how they do against Texas Tech uh, this coming week. So uh, they have scheduled really well. So they will, um, moving forward, now have a lot of opportunities to move up. Let's take a look at our pick'em results. A little bit more even this time around. Yeah. I'm uh, getting better. You're getting better. Yeah. So uh, this time around, all five of our series were played. Thanks, Weather, for finally cooperating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was three and two. You were two and three. Uh, for those of you keeping track at home, uh, that's three straight weekends that I have knocked Kyle off. Uh, and I moved to 12 and three on the year. So wow. somebody take me to Vegas. I'm yeah. picking winners. Yeah. I mean, it's increment or uh, infinite improvement on, on my part. You came back, you were, you had five and oh last week. And so you're, I mean, two losses. That's, that's pretty hard to take, but I, I was four, improved. I was four and infinitely. one last week. I was five and a week one. So actually oh, yeah, week by week, I'm getting one more loss. So Uh-oh. it's not a good pattern. 
and I infinitely approved from last week. So, you know, it's only who knows. Just small. Really feels size. like it depends on how you define infinite. <laughs> <laughs> two divided by zero. You know, uh huh. I'm the uh, math two, major here. Between two minus zero doesn't feel like infinite though. <laughs> we don't need to worry about adding. All right, let's let's get to the series. Uh, I picked Illinois over Sam Houston. I didn't like that pick. Uh, like it felt a little bit iffy. Illinois got the job done, winning two out of three. Uh, you convinced me to pick Florida Atlantic. They got swept by UConn. Oh, <laughs> I South Carolina. Convince. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for UConn, I think is is kind of hitting their stride a little mm-hmm. bit now. Uh, I thought they would be a little rusty still, but totally wrong uh, about that. South Carolina did end up winning that series at Clemson. Very interesting series. That middle game, a little bit back and forth uh, before South Carolina just dominated the third game, basically on all fronts. Texas State Grand Canyon, pretty well played series. Jordan uh, uh, Grand Canyon did end up winning that series two out of three. Uh, the other one I got wrong. I picked Arizona State. Wow, both the two I got wrong got swept. <laughs> so yeah, I got I got them really <laughs> wrong. UC Irvine swept at Arizona State in a, a weekend that was basically as bad as it could be if you're a Mississippi State fan. They lose two out of three in Frisco, and then their marquee series win gets swept at home. Yikes. <laughs> That's yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, so yeah, my two wins. I picked Campbell over Louisiana. The, the what's what, what's camels. that? What's that mascot again? Yeah, it's the camels. <laughs> oh yeah, the camels. <laughs> yeah, um, they went on in the road and won the first two games at Louisiana. Um, they were very efficient in their pitching usage in the first two games, which you think might have uh, let them you know, prepare for a sweep in Game Three. But Louisiana adjusted and really blew up their Sunday starter for foreign runs and there's a lot of errors i think in that one and yeah probably some misplayed um misplayed stuff but my next series was good call uh, picking southern miss to bounce back southern miss yeah southern miss over dbu i figured they would bounce bounce back um it's a dallas baptist team that is that has been scary in the past but um i don't know i think i think this is a resurgence of of dominant southern miss pitching i, I mean I want to see it continue before I, I know they're I a big question claim. mark, aren't they? I just feel like, are we overvaluing that one weekend that they pitched mm-hmm. really poorly? And I feel like each weekend they go back out there and pitch like they did in the first weekend or pitch like they did against Dallas Baptist. I'm starting to become a, a golden Eagle convert once again, but I still can't get that, that uh, Illinois series out the back of my mind. Yeah, I know it's, it's maybe it's Illinois just in, improving and impressing, just continuing to do better that, that like, yeah, they won another series on the road. So yeah, as Illinois does better, Southern Miss is going to look better too. True. My next one, uh, Georgia Southern at uh, UCF. I picked UCF at home, you know, root, root for the home team. Didn't work out for me. Uh, Georgia Southern, or uh, UCF won game one, and then Georgia Southern bats just came alive for 21 hits and 19 runs in game two. 16 hits. They're just a, a hit machine. My next series was Georgia Tech over Georgia in a two in Atlanta, one in Athens, that, that was, that fact was enough to sway me to like have two in Atlanta. Um, but Georgia blew up two games, the first two games. Yeah. Georgia uh, Tech Georgia pitching, Tech. I think maybe between the three games had one guy who was pitched anything of substance for them. Yeah. Severe lack of picking, pitching quality for the engineers, the yellow jackets, <laughs> the old engineers. And then Texas in Fullerton, I picked Texas on the road. Is Maybe, Fullerton uh, back, Kyle? Is Fullerton? Um, back? <laughs> I think that happens whenever you beat Texas. You have to, you get that mantle, right? It's like the the <laughs> college football losers belt or winners belt. Yeah. 
Yeah, this was not a good weekend offensively for Texas. They they're just continuing to show signs of being young, and maybe it'll gel. But I don't know. It's I don't know. It's not looking good. So it's starting to feel more like the ninth place Big Twelve team we saw a few years ago. Yeah, that was so random. Like right in between Omaha appearances, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, two and three week for you, three and two week yeah. for me. It was not a bad. tough week picking series. Yeah, it was. I feel like there were a lot of upsets. Uh, on the whole, Campbell has also had a really solid start to the season. Their batting average across the board is a really solid 328. The pitching staff, a little a little less finely tuned, like we saw on Sunday when <laughs> things go south. They go south in a hurry, but they were able to get the job done in terms of clinching that series. Uh, they also started the year off with a series win against Rutgers, sweeping Butler, midweek win against ECU. Coming up, they travel for a pair of games in the midweek at Tulane. A full series at App State next weekend. So five more games. Um, I, I, Tulane's having a pretty darn bad bad year this year. But uh, five more games, at least against uh, reasonable strength of schedule right there uh, before things uh, really get going back for them in the Big South Conference. And Louisiana coming into this weekend had has like started off pretty good, pretty well. Like They played at Rice and won two of those three, and then they swept a four-game series at home against BYU. All close games except for that that Thursday one where they blew them out. Uh, and then they came up against just a little bit better competition and, and lost the first two, but they weren't they weren't like blowouts. They were pretty close games all the way through. So it's not like a push the panic button yet on, on Louisiana, but well those series you feel pretty good about both teams coming out of that series. Yeah, that's that's for sure. They they have a chance to compete in the Sun Belt, I think. Let's move on to a segment called Pick a Side. We have just one question here. And it's this is a five-sided question. Which undefeated team will stay undefeated the longest? So we have five options to choose from Troy, uh, Sunbelt team. Uh, we have NC State, Wake Forest, Virginia, three ACC teams, and Alabama SEC squad. All five of those currently undefeated. Kyle, I'll let you take the first pick. Which one of those is going to stay undefeated the longest? Ooh, um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Alabama. Just looking ahead at the schedules going forward, I mean, you got um, Troy traveling to UCF this weekend, and they also have Florida Gulf Coast Gulf Coast in the midweek with two games. That's five really high chances to lose each game. Games, um, Florida Gulf Coast who just took two out of three um, on the road at Florida State this weekend, and UCF didn't have a great weekend, but last week they swept or two weeks ago swept Clemson. So. Um, those are pretty solid teams, and Alabama, their their strength of schedule is is they always kind of do this. I feel like their strength of schedule is not great. They tried to do a road series at Pepperdine. Yeah, I think that's an down. important thing to note. So they haven't <laughs> left Alabama, but yeah. they really tried. <laughs> the uh, the the weather gods did not want them to leave Alabama. They, yeah, uh, and then ACC starts ACC play soon, so I feel like they're all gonna just jump up in competition um like really quick so i feel like those are just not good uh not good odds in my opinion so what do you think yeah i think alabama might be the easy answer here i have to pick a different one so <laughs> i'm gonna do a quick run through wake goes uh f- next five games all on the road at coastal then start acc play at duke followed by at liberty all those are against winning teams Virginia, meanwhile, William and Mary, and then uh, three games at North Carolina. Those four are all teams with winning records. 
NC State goes at UNCG and then three games at Miami. All four of those teams have winning records. And Troy, like you already mentioned, Florida Gulf Coast UCF. So all these teams are playing teams with winning records coming up, except for Alabama. So <laughs> Alabama feels like the easy answer. Uh, with that in mind, I think I'm going to lean Wake on this one, uh, just because I think Wake is the best of the four remaining teams. Mm-hmm. And when all those teams are having reasonably tough strength schedule, all of a sudden at Coastal, at Duke, I mean, those are not the easiest of games, but when you're one of the two best teams in the country, I think you're going to go into each of those thinking that you're the favorite, thinking that you should win those games. So give me Wake Forest if I can't take Alabama. And we've decided that you can't. <laughs> Pick a side, not stay on the same side as Kyle. Yeah, we should add that as a segment. Just just uh, pair everything Kyle says segment. <laughs> I don't think you want to do that. Next up on the podcast, the segment we call Report Car. We get to grade. Get out your your red pens, get your reading glasses on, Kyle, and let's put on mm-hmm. our uh, our best teacher attitudes. So let's start off with tournament season. So week three in the season uh, just came and went, and we've seen now most of the major tournaments that we'll have, ranging from the small, like the, the Keith LeClaire classic, uh, all the way up to the large, like the... Shriners College Classic and the Frisco's and college baseball showdowns and round rocks and all that stuff. So what's your take on this? What's your what's your opinion? Give the whole tournament season a grade. How did these tournaments pan out? The tournaments themselves, I think they the games were all pretty fun. I I like the fact that that we have them. It's it's like it's I don't know, it gives a good opportunity to see a lot of different school, a lot of other teams, like really early on in the season. It kind of showcases the best of what college baseball has to offer and also a little bit of the worst. <laughs> the uh, hard to find the games sometimes, maybe you have to pay for them for the weekend. Um, but I think that's it for me. I think streaming yeah. is one of the big issues with these tournaments. It is. Yeah, people like have already paid for ESPN and Hulu and Netflix probably or all these things and they don't want to have to also pay for a one weekend $8 thing just to watch three games. I don't know. Or maybe $20. I don't, I don't even know what it was, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a little unfortunate. And then you get things like last night where the, the best game probably of the week, maybe the second best game of the weekend at the Shriners goes until 1230 at night. That was fun, fun on Twitter to hang around with people, but uh, I'm tired. So give it a grade then. What's your final answer? Uh, I'll give it a B minus. Yeah, I'm feeling something like a B. I was my gut was A minus, and then I kept dropping it. So mm-hmm. uh, here's what I'll say: I, I agree. Really cool the matchups we get. We don't get any of these. Like, there's no other weekend where we get to see a Louisville go up against uh, multiple teams from other prominent conferences, A and M and TCU and things like that. You know, you just don't get that, right? So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It gets to be a little bit of like it's some of these a college world series vibe, right? When you have really high quality matchups, one off games. This is what college baseball postseason looks like. So that's really cool. Streaming needs to be fixed. Flow baseball, uh, I don't know if it's the answer. I don't know if D1 streaming is the answer. I, I think that paywalling these things is bad for the game. It's not going to help grow the game. I also think that logistics need to be figured out. No one wants to be going to games at midnight on a Sunday. Uh, I mean, at least staying at, staying at games until midnight on a Sunday. There weren't many people there, though. 
when we get to conference but people would want to be there like you said like people want yeah. to see those games that it's the 8 p.m eastern time starts for those sunday games no like that's that's not a way to get eyes on the game right. the uh i think that the typical three game schedules are a lot easier for people to handle it's a lot easier to go to a 2 p.m sunday afternoon game than it is to go to a sunday night game you're much more likely to to bring your kids bring the family uh so i think that there's some room for improvement when it comes to these tournaments I like the the number of games that are in the four team tournament things where it's like two games a day that that works up with the schedule nice. I feel like you get maybe more bang for your buck with the the three teams versus three separate team kind of a th- schedule where you get three games in a day. Maybe you pay for a whole day tickets and you get to stay for all three if you just want to take your kid out your kids out to like a a fun full day of baseball. Like that'd be fun unless it's on a Sunday night and they have to go to school the next day. So Next up, LSU's non-conference schedule. LSU is a clear number one team in the country, and they have so far won 10 out of the 11 games that they scheduled. But I think there's a a case to be said that their strength of schedule could leave something to be desired, or maybe not. (laughs) Uh, They are currently at number 70 in non-conference strength of schedule. It doesn't mean a whole lot right now because... It's hard to know exactly who's going to end up with what record, right? We're still in the feeling out part of the season. But uh, I'll give you a quick run through. They've had three games against Western Michigan, midweeks against Southern Texas. uh, And uh, they played in the Carbock Round Rock Classic against Kansas State, Iowa, and Houston. And then they played four games uh, kind of over this weekend, next weekend situation, Butler Central Connecticut. And uh, they finish up on Monday night with Butler. I, my instinct, my first instinct when looking at this was like, man, I wish LSU had played a little bit of a tougher schedule. Uh, So I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with like a B plus here though. And the reason why I'm going to do that is, I think we know what we're going to get with LSU, and we know that they're going to have series against AM, Arkansas, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, at Georgia to finish the year. They're going to have seven or eight weekends in the SEC against top 50 type teams. So they didn't need to load up their non conference schedule with a really ridiculous non conference schedule. I think Western Michigan is a respectable first weekend of this weekend series of the year. Round Rock gave them three teams which have solid shots of being at or above 500 by the end of the year. Iowa is turning into a pretty nice game. I think they tried to schedule a tough midweek on the road. You don't see these teams like LSU go on the road very often in the midweek. And they did mm-hmm. that going to Texas. We'll see what Texas, that what that win amounts to in the long run. But I think they did pretty, pretty solid job scheduling non-conference. I think what you could compare that to something like what maybe a Tennessee did where they went on the road to start the year at Arizona ended up getting a few losses. I don't know if it's going to negatively affect Tennessee in the long run, you know, in terms of psyche or morale, confidence, things like that. But I would say this LSU team should feel like they've had time to figure things out. They've been successful just dropping that one game to Iowa and all of this. So I think I'm going to give it a B plus. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'd give it like a a solid B. They, I mean, Central Connecticut was a over five hundred team last year. Uh, I don't think they won the Northeast Conference, did they? No, they were second. In, nope, that's this year. They were second in the Northeastern Conference last year. Um, 
So you say they're second this year, so just like alphabetically they're second right now because there's no conference games that have been played. No, no, last year, last year. Yeah, but but this year you said too when you looked at. No, I just looked at the wrong the wrong uh, page on the on the site. All right, all right. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine that they tried challenging themselves a little bit maybe with the Round Rock Classic opening themselves up for that, and then yeah, like you said, going on the road to Texas in the midweek is surprising for really any big team like going out of state even for like one game is a little strange but i guess they probably just stayed in texas just went a little bit south um because that was right after the round rock classic so yeah i don't know it was b but like central connecticut this is their this was their first two games of the year playing at that little tournament thing in in baton rouge um because they had a game against umass get canceled last week but i don't know it's fine it's the like you said they'll have a chance to challenge themselves and they have Samford which is usually fine in the Southern Conference. Yeah, that's how I feel about a lot of the their non-conference schedule, and uh, that includes the midweeks that they have coming up too. They get mm-hmm. Louisiana in the midweek, but that's really the maybe McNeese might be another team that could be maybe Southeast Louisiana. These teams could all be above five hundred. But uh, no world beaters necessarily coming up on their schedule in the non-conference. Tell you what, who has been world beaters, though, is NC State's offense. Bam! Segue. Report card. <laughs> Let's give a grade to the NC State offense. I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I'll go A. I'll go A. I don't want to go A-. minus. They, I mean, they've been blowing everybody out. Um, let's see. I think they were they're fifth in the country in WOBA. Uh, fifth in the country in ERA, which is not offense, but still just like a really well-balanced team. Um, Great insight and, right there, Kyle, that ERA yeah. is not an offensive stat. Right. <laughs> I don't know what we would do without you on the podcast. All right, that's enough. <laughs> they uh, seventh in the country in batting average, third in the country in slugging percentage. So they're, they're hitting lots of home runs. They're not striking out a bunch. They're, they're just being a pretty well-balanced team overall. And they're blowing out all of their uh iffy scheduling also <laughs> they haven't i mean coastal carolina is fine new jersey tech they blew out but it's it's been it's been a fun to be an nc state fan probably so far this year more walks than strikeouts is a pretty cool stat wow. that's something yeah mm-hmm. that's something that you hard you to like do. to see if you're uh, uh an nc state fan so yeah, like you're saying they're top 30 basically in both those statistics um competition wise since basically every team they've played has actually been relatively successful outside of the series against nc state so their uh their non-conference strength of schedule right now is 54 um as of right now in terms of rpi they have seven q1 q2 rpi wins i don't think that means a whole lot and when you go to something like elo which does a better job of getting teams quality they're one and oh against the Q1, Q2 teams. So I think that's probably more fair representation of their strength of schedule so far. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they end up doing against Miami this next weekend because Miami does have a few guys on that staff which can put up a few zeros. They're not exactly the best pitching team themselves, Miami, um, with the ERA that's just north of five right now but i think that's probably going to be a bigger test for nc state but i mean what's not to like what's not to like about what you have right now for nc state's offense shout out to canon peebles this week on saturday in their 21 to 2 blowout win over 
New Jersey Tech. He went six for six with three doubles and two home runs. He almost had the cycle too. I think he just like tripped a little bit going down, going around second and got thrown out on the base paths on, on one of his doubles. So he he could have had the cycle. That would have been a a nice feat. But just just getting three doubles and two home runs, you know, I guess he'll have to he'll have to settle for that. Him and Eli Serrano both batting five hundred on the year for the Wolfpack. Yeah, that'll play. Yeah, that'll work. Time to open up the mailbag once again. And inside, we start off with a question from Football in the Boot account on Twitter. I think this is a pretty cool question. So I'm going to read it all out. So earlier, uh, you, speaking about us, spoke about how some midweek losses to mid-majors were nothing, not something for some of the top programs. But what is the impact for mid-majors? On a scale of 0 to 10, how impactful is a mid-major loss for a top program versus how impactful is it a win for a mid-major program? There's a lot to unpack here. So I think what the what uh, this account's referencing is that early on in the season, we talked about midweek losses early in the year for power conference teams or for top 25 teams don't really you don't need to overreact to them Mm -hmm. oftentimes especially earlier in the year all these teams are figuring out you know who's going to be our long reliever you know who's going to be the guy that we we pull out and uh really need to settle down on a uh, a saturday game that's getting out of hand and they're testing out a bunch of different guys in the midweek and you know things go a little bit awry for one of them and all of a sudden they put up a six spot they have a six five against them and they lose the game you don't need to overreact to that um, so I think how impactful is that for a top program? For the most part, I'm going to say on a scale of zero to 10, like let's say a two. And I think you talked about on the podcast how down at the end of the season, some of these early season wins and losses do end up mattering in terms of RPI. So that's why I'm giving it a two, not a zero. <laughs> let's take the opposite side. How impactful are these wins for the mid-major teams that upset the power teams? Ah, now I understand the question. Okay. So yeah. I'll go first. I'll say like, I want to say like close to a 10, like eight or nine, because I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of different layers here. One, these games are often at the home site of the higher ranked teams. So winning a road game at a ranked team, if you're a smaller school, that's regardless of the context, what that means for anything, that's cool. That's something that, that you know, your main athletics Twitter account is going to tweet about. You're going to get a bunch of people excited on social media. You know, everyone loves when the secondary campus beats the flagship campus oh, or so whatever, whatever <laughs> it is, you know, like if A&M Corpus beats A&M, that's a big deal that, you know, it's super exciting. And so one, that's that's reason enough to say, like, these are awesome. Like, right, th- this is part of what makes the sport really fun for a lot of people. Also, though, there's just not a lot of times that these teams uh, can really boost their resume. So both from a, a statistics perspective, like the RPI is a statistic, these wins count just how RPI works. A road win counts 1.3 times that of a neutral site win. So just you get actually get more credit for going on the road and winning these games. Um, and then RPI also considers how many wins your opponents have. So if you're going on the road, winning against a team that's probably going to win a lot of games, it's going to be one of the, the strongest RPI wins those teams have all year. 
And even outside of the RPI, like what we saw, for instance, last year with Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon didn't end up with the best RPI necessarily, but they did schedule some uh, some high quality games against some of the the West Coasty type schools, the Texas Techs and Oklahoma States and Arizonas and things like that. And getting some of those wins was enough to get Grand Canyon an at-large bid. So I think when it came to to uh, to to how important were some of those midweek games for Grand Canyon last year, I was like, without them, there's no way they were in the NCAA tournament. So super important. Yeah, I think you said it all. I think it's yeah, super important. It's just something something that the fans and the players will remember forever. Yeah, beating being the big big time like I don't know even for things like uh, schools in in Louisiana a lot of people in Louisiana dream about going to LSU and if they don't they dream about beating LSU so it's like the that's like the, the fun thing to do is that like it didn't happen this year but Southern for example like pretty close to to Baton Rouge and a lot of the fans like both schools and so just having the chance to beat the big guy is always fun it's always something that it's people like- remember. Jacksonville and Florida, so they they did two games in the midweek mm-hmm. and each team won one. Each team actually won the road game in that series. Oh. And it's funny, I was watching that second one. It was on a, the Wednesday afternoon of last week and the commentators were talking about how they talked to Jacksonville's head coach. And the head coach was like, I just love being able to take my guys out here, play at this cool stadium, cool environment. And, you know, like at first just talking about how like, this is a cool experience to go play SEC mm-hmm. brand new Florida stadium. And then Jacksonville won that game. And it's like, I, it's just like, the coach said, yeah, I love giving these guys, you know, this great experience, but like, like they weren't there for a participation trophy. They, they were there to win the game and they did. And that was awesome. Yeah. Super cool. And good for morale. I don't know, vaulting you towards postseason appearance, like with GCU, it, like we can, we can show that we can compete against these, these top dogs. Let's, let's keep doing it in the postseason. That'd be fun. Yeah. It's so much easier. It's so much like it's so much easier to justify. Like, why would we let GCU and GCU show they can beat these teams? And yeah. they were uh, a heck of an out when it came to the postseason. So that's this is exactly what we need. We 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 need this in order to uh, continue the really cool tradition we have in college baseball of the Cinderella story and the mid-major darlings. The next question we got was about our rankings, and we got a lot of questions around why Louisville didn't move up. Louisville had a 3-0 weekend at the Shriners College Classic, including two wins over uh, top 25 teams. So, Kyle, why do you think? Why why didn't we move Louisville up? Why, what, did you think about it? I didn't really think about it. Did you think about moving Louisville up? No, I think it was... <laughs> I think it's because of what we said earlier. Everyone else above them won. They all went, I think you said 22-2. and two. Was it, yeah, if you, you exclude said? Louisville from that st- from that number, it's nineteen and two, and over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So everyone won. You kind of things kind of stay the same when everyone does what they're expected to do. So yeah. they'll have their chance to move up, and and they did really well this weekend. And so not dropping them was was good. Like they did really well. I think the thing that I struggle with was that I, I thought I I thought. I didn't specifically think think about like Louisville needs to move up because I don't really think that's how I think about rankings. It's not like, oh, like this team did this. We need to move them up a bunch of spots. Right. You can't look at the teams in vacuum like that or else it just so you end up. Rank. <laughs> yeah, you do, you do some weird stuff. So just looking, though, on the teams ahead of them, I mean, I think LSU, it's pretty clear they're why they're number one. Wake Forest, I think the talents really play. It's it just you start going through these schools 
And let's go to the one that we have right before them, Vanderbilt. Well, Vanderbilt just won two out of three games against UCLA a weekend ago. So, like, that was a really mm-hmm. impressive series win. And it's just I can't justify passing any of these teams up. I think maybe the team that you could say doesn't belong there the most is probably number six, Tennessee, because t- they have had a losing weekend. But I think the consensus is in the college baseball world that Tennessee is probably better than they were how they played on the first weekend. If you want to go more based off resume, maybe you're a Louisville fan who thinks you should be ranked higher than Tennessee. I don't I don't hate that take. That that seems reasonable. But if I think if if I had to pick you know, would who would win on a neutral site right now, Tennessee or Louisville, I'd probably take Tennessee. I think I would too. And Tennessee's done nothing but win since their first two losses, eleven straight wins. And yeah. all blowout in the competition hasn't been fantastic. But Gonzaga was a team last year that um I think won the West Coast Conference and they haven't they did done that well this year so but they haven't because of the competition (laughs) yeah so Louisville didn't move up not because we hate the Cardinals uh also I think one thing that's worth pointing out is a lot of outlets had Louisville in the 10 to 15 range last week we already had them at number eight I think we had them fairly ranked we we were ahead of the curve you should be thanking us no (laughs) let's not tell fans that but we we were pretty excited about what Louisville had to offer before the weekend and they just showed why we had them in the top 10 already but yeah, I mean, the, yeah, super huge, important blowouts, like a blowout of a, a, t- a pretty highly rated A&M team. It's, I mean, that game looks closer than it actually was. It was 14 nothing before A&M uh, scored five to extend it because it was going to be just a run rule. And then that TCU game was was actually really close and, and a double play in the top of the ninth or bottom of the ninth, but like pretty much sealed it for him. But yeah, and then Michigan, you know, Hard to do as many on the road games as they have in a row, but um, I think they won't be terrible this year. They just had a bad weekend. Yeah. And lastly, it's worth pointing out that uh, sweeping Bucknell and sweeping Bowling Green, which are Louisville's two other series wins. Not sweeping Bowling Green. Oh, that's true. They only won two out of three against Bowling Green. Those aren't exactly the uh, right home to grandma type of (laughs) series wins. So uh, they'll... Uh, get tested with one in eight Dayton next week <laughs> uh, before yeah, starting enjoyed. ACC play. So yeah, they, they're a little bit slow to start ACC play, but ACC is deep enough. Uh, they play Wake. Uh, so, you know, they'll, they play Miami, Virginia, Florida State. Clint. But they, they have plenty of series to prove themselves. It will be very clear at the end of the year, is Louisville a top 10 team or not? So I say this is moot. I think it's just people wanting us to recognize their team and you know we did just stick with that thanks for listening to the college baseball nation podcast if you liked what you heard share it with a loved one or an enemy maybe you'll become friends this is how we're bringing people together college baseball brings the world together Find us on our social media accounts at collegeballnet or on our website, collegebaseball.info. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later this week for our weekend for preview pod.